Okay, okay. Let's get this show on the road. Welcome, everyone, um, to Harbour City's first ever Wisdom with Money evening. Uh, we think it's going to be a real cracker tonight. So thank you for coming out on this cold, wet evening. And um, I know it is the first, as far as I know, there have been some debate, the first Glenwood First Thursdays. So you might want to pop out and celebrate some of what's going on in the neighborhood afterwards if things are still happening. Um, but tonight, Shane Cadman is going to be sharing on wisdom with money. And I think for all of us, this is a really important topic. And I think you know that part of our mission as a church is to equip every member for ministry in all of life. And I think like part of what we're doing with this series at the moment is actually we want to get wise with money. We want to get God's heart with money. We want God to deal with our hearts when it comes to money, all of these things. And we're just hoping tonight can be so practical that actually um, we're going to learn some skills. We're going to see some blind spots. We're going to grow. We're going to be given some tools. And um, I don't know if you've seen this verse before, but Proverbs 13.22 says, A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. And one of the things I've been praying for this series and for tonight is this thought that actually tonight could change your life and tonight could change your children's life and it could change your children's children's life. Because if we all put some things in place now with money and saving and investment and decisions, one, it makes us good stewards who honor God with this. But two, honestly, there could be generational impact on our lives and our decisions and our wealth. So I really think this could be a powerful, powerful evening. And I want to pray in just a second that the Spirit would speak to us. Even though tonight is going to be very, very practical, this is not a sermon, um, I really believe that the Spirit could speak and highlight things and re- like reveal blind spots and equip us and empower us powerfully. But we do have Mr. Shane Cadman tonight, who, um, as you can see from the crowd, there's like electricity. People cannot wait till he gets up to speak. You know that there is going to be anointing pouring from the mouth of God's man of power for the hour. Um, But what I love about Shane taking tonight is Shane has got such a heart for Scripture and such a love for the gospel on one side. And then Shane's got 20 years of experience in the financial services industry. He started in 2001. He's um, got an advanced diploma in financial investing. And I think what I love about Shane is Shane really loves helping people. You know, I think Shane said to me a few times, if he didn't have to work another day in his life, he would still do what he does because he loves it. He sees it as as ministry. He really enjoys interacting with people and serving people. And I think one of the cool things is Shane has seen all sorts of different situations when it comes to money and investing and decisions, good and bad, a whole bunch of different scenarios. So I think tonight as he speaks, he's someone with experience. He's got such a heart for God. He's got such a heart for this church. And he's going to share a whole bunch of things, give you some tools, and afterwards you're welcome to ask some questions. I do also just want to say, normally with Shane, time is money. So normally people pay quite a bit of money to meet with Shane and for his time. Tonight you're getting it for free, which is a huge gift to us. So can we give Shane a huge round of applause and just a lot of love as he comes up and shares? The one and only Shane Cadman. Goodness, goodness, goodness gracious. No, no pressure after that. But thank you for that very warm welcome and uh, intro. So well done for being here. I think to give up a Thursday evening in the cold, and I know I under sopping wet because he walked in the cold to, and Noxie to be here. So, so well done for taking a step to be here. I think that is really the first step in terms of good financial planning is to to want to learn, to want to grow, to to want to do things properly, and and to to want to do it well. Um, so this evening is really not going to be a death by PowerPoint presentation. I hate that stuff. I'm not good at it. 
Um, when I do talks like this, actually the most effective and the ones where people get the most out of it is when it's interactive. So please, if I say something hopefully you agree with or don't agree with, just stop me and say, actually, can you explain that? Can you just go into a little bit more detail there? Because most of the time, actually, everyone else is thinking, what do you want to ask? But they just don't ask it. So the, the dumbest question is the one that's never asked. So please, there's no, please just ask. Just stop me, ask. I can't guarantee that I will have all the answers, but I'd love for this to be interactive. Um, and also, I mean, Grant and the leaders and the elders would really, we, we don't want to leave here with a bunch of theory. We want to leave here with some practical handles that we can apply from tomorrow, or actually from this evening as we're lying and, and falling asleep to bed. So it's not going to be like this big theory on money matters. As important as the theory is, it's going to be really super duper practical. And I want to say up front that um, when it comes to healthy financial um, planning, financial habits, and things like that, there's no magic formulas. Sorry, Ayanda. I know you thought you were going to be rich after this evening. It's not going to happen. <laughs> there's no magic formulas. There's no shortcuts. There's no miracle secrets that you're going to discover that's going to change your life forever. There's no anointed prayers or healing powers or magic water or magic tissues or magic whatever that suddenly or magic offerings that is going to get you out there. There's none of that. <laughs> I don't see any of that in Scripture either. Um, there's no quick fixes. There's no quick fixes, and also there's no instant results either to good financial planning habits. In fact, they're actually pretty boring. I must be honest, they are boring. And sometimes they can be not fun, not, if I can, can I use the word sexy? Too late, no. Um, they're, not, they're not like these sexy kind of things. Um, they, they require discipline and, 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 and like fuss bait and sticking to the plan um, that you put in place. But I guarantee you, the benefits, the long-term benefits of that discipline, that long obedience in the same direction, you, you, you can't even quantify. You, you can't even quantify. So people don't get into good financial habits overnight. Um, it's one good, oh, this is going to drive me mad. It's one good decision after the other. It's one good decision after the other. Likewise, people that are in a financial mess didn't get there overnight. You don't go to bed on Thursday now and wake up tomorrow, Friday, suddenly you're in a financial situation. Oh, what am I going to do? No, it's one poor decision after the other. So it can swing both ways. Good habits is one boring, if I can say it, decision after another. And bad habits is one bad habit after the other. So what I'm going to share this morning, I mean this evening, is um, you've probably heard it before. Okay, it's not going to be mind-blowing new stuff. But the challenge that I want to throw out is if we know it before, are we implementing it? See, it's one thing to know it. It's another thing to actually apply it and begin to live it out. See, the frustrating thing is we live in an instant society where we want instant results. So we want to kind of get this plan going for six months and suddenly I'm a, I'm a gazillionaire or whatever. It's not going to happen. You know, we have like microwaves and drive-throughs and Google and everything is instant. But actually when it comes to healthy finances doesn't apply. It's a long road, but a very, very beneficial road. So on that intro, the starting point of really any financial plan is, yeah, uh, the b <laughs> budget. First time anyone's hearing that word. Eh? <laughs> no, um, <laughs> such a simple thing, such a simple thing. Such a simple thing, just to write down where your money goes and then hold yourselves accountable. Hey, everybody does it. We've got this thing sorted, eh? 
<laughs> no. <laughs> but I think often it's the simplicity of it that puts us off. We think, no, 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 that, that, that's too simple. I want like hardcore. I want like a, like a magic formula kind of thing. But actually, that's what it is. We've got to write down everything so that, I mean, like some of us have a rough idea of, of, of what our expenses are, but a rough doesn't really cut it. We've got to be specific. Um, like who, who, I mean, some majority of us, I would say, are working. Who sometimes feel like our money just disappears? Yeah, got a few hands, yeah. <laughs> Often, that's because we, ha- we don't have a structure in place as to where we're sending our money. And if there's a structure in place, the money comes in and it's almost like, you know those, like when you were a kid and you played with those things and the water made this thing spin and that thing spin and this one. Like when you've got a budget in place, money comes in, okay, it goes there, goes to that, goes to that, goes to that. And then there's like some surplus at the end of the month, which is great because you've got a structure in place. You, you know where everything is going. Um, so the budget is the structure or the foundation or the scaffolding upon which we build healthy financial habits, healthy money matters, so to speak. And often where there's no budget, it's highly unlikely that the finances are going to be in order. That's just what I've seen. Where there's no budget, often it's very correlated to finances that are in a mess. So what, what, we, what we did is we put, can you put that first spreadsheet up, please? So, no, the spreadsheet. Oh, the handout. No, it's not there. Oh, okay. So what we've done, sorry, can you take that off? That's not, sorry, I thought we were going to put this up. Sorry, I should have. So what, what we've done here is um, we've got an electronic copy for you if you want. But um, just email Carmen and then we can get it. But we've got a, a printed copy for you here as well where we've listed. If, shall I just hand it out? Is that okay? Hey, Grant, what do you think? Sorry, that's breakdown in communication for my part. I'm not very good at um, preparing presentations and things. I'll keep this. This is my copy. So, so this is just an example that we've done here. Of, of listing some things, of um, being detailed as possible when it comes to budgeting. Because I'll wait. Um, and let's um, let's just talk through it. So the first one there under so you got your income, okay, and then you got your expenditure. And we can see there that, that there's tithes there. You could say giving, generosity, people that perhaps have, are less fortunate than you and you, you, you want to bless other people. But I think we've got a budget for giving. Because if you're anything like me, <laughs> giving is sometimes hard. <laughs> and, and you want to like hold on to it. But actually, if you have a structure, you know that scaffolding that I was talking about where you actually you budget to give, you budget to be generous, it's just going to be something that you do. You get paid, boom, 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 and then it goes, and then you learn to live off the rest. I often hear people say, no, I don't earn enough to be generous. When, I'm, when, I, when I earn more, then I'll be more generous. And what I say is if you're not being generous earning 5,000 rand a month, you are not going to be generous earning 50,000 rand a month. So I, I, I mean, in studies, and Chris and I were talking about this earlier, studies are showing, scientific studies are showing now non-Christian so it's, it's secular studies are showing that um, just the benefits that come from giving. I mean, I love it when science reaffirms what Jesus says, that it's better to give than to receive. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I, I just encourage people to give and be generous. And then there's columns for debt. So what you do is do you have accounts, which 
which we shouldn't have, which I'll get to later. Um, so write down where your money's going to the various accounts. Budget for savings. Learn to live, be disciplined with your savings. Don't, I, I, I find it so amazing how my clients tell me, no, no, no looking at this car and it's only going to cost me an extra 3,000 rand a month. But six months ago, I was telling them you need to save 3,000. Oh, no, I can't afford it. But suddenly, woo, they got this car. <laughs> they want this car and suddenly you find the money, but you don't find the money to save. Um, find, put those things in place and then let your, work your lifestyle around your savings. Don't, Work your savings around your lifestyle because it's going to be a bit backwards. Please feel free to stop me if there's anything you want me to elaborate on. Um, so savings, your, your, your rent, your bond, transport, insurance. It's good to, if, you ha- if you're a breadwinner, um, yeah, yeah, a few married, um, consider life insurance because if something has to happen to you, are your dependents going to be okay? You don't want to leave them saddled with debt. And all sorts of things. If something had to happen to you, um, like myself, for example, I'm quite—I'm insured that if something happens to me, if I had to pass away, Sonia won't have to work. So there's an, there's money that will be paid to her to make sure that she will be taken care of. Likewise, disability and dread disease and medical aid and all those things—they're necessary evils. Trust me, I don't get excited when that debit order goes off. But boy, have I had people pass away days after taking out their cover, and the family's okay. So budget for those necessary evils. Groceries, cleaning products, just detailed. These are just detailed examples of expenses. And what we'll do is if you want them, we can email Carmen. Sorry, you can email Carmen, and she'll send you the Excel spreadsheet, and you can punch your own numbers in there. Any questions on budgeting before I continue? I know it's happy, happy, got it, sorted. Everyone does it. Sorry, one thing I forgot to mention. Measure yourself against it. So have an actual. So say you budget 3,000 Rand for groceries. Maybe you do 2-8 or 3-2 or maybe it was a good month or a bad month. And then on that variance there, what you'll do is sometimes there's going to be a little bit of surplus at the end of the month. Wouldn't that be great? Put that in your savings or put it towards debts. Don't suddenly think, woohoo, we got an extra whatever, two grand. Let's go buy that. Come buy flat screen, two grand. Let's go buy out for dinner or, 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 or whatever. But if, you may, if you're keeping yourself accountable to it. You see, because we can all budget, but then do we do an actual? See, it's important for us to benchmark against where our actual money is going so that we can hold ourselves accountable as to, um, as to where the money is growing. Question? So if, if you have the discipline to do that, yes. Um, what we did when we first got married is we, was it when we first got married or when we were dating? We had envelopes, <laughs> good old envelopes. So we would budget, gosh, in those days, like a thousand rand or something for groceries. Um, and that would be our grocery envelope. So we'd allocate it to that. And then you'd take your whatever, hundred rand to pick and pay or shop right or wherever. And and then at the end, at like in, on like the twenty fifth of the month or whenever, say paydays on the first or whatever, you've got five days left and you've got 50 bucks, we have two-minute noodles for dinner because um, that was what was allocated for that. So if, if you're not disciplined in the sense of wanting to reconcile, go draw the cash. You know, sometimes, sometimes we need drastic um, 
drastic measures to get drastic results. If you're spending, is, is, if you're backing to reconcile it, go back to cash. That's not the safest in where we live, I mean, just in terms of today, but um, yeah. So yeah, go through your bank account, ha have an idea. Um, hey, love, do you want to add anything? Inflows are probably more for me, because <laughs> if we're honest, um, I never budgeted. So Shane sat me down before we got married, and he asked me, "How much do you spend?" And at the top of my head, I could sort of list. But even uh, I see in the budget there's bank fees. I never budgeted for that. Who budgets for that? So I think it was just helpful to write down everything that that you spend money on. So perhaps going through your bank statement, you pick up trends, or you see, oh. Actually, didn't just spend so much on entertainment or, you know, it just gives you, a, it's a reality check, really. What also might be helpful just for the reconciling purposes is if you, say you shop at Pick and Pay, just add up all the Pick and Pay transactions and then say, shush, this was what it was for this month. FNB is quite good with that. I think on their credit card thing that I used to get from FNB, they would say groceries or, or whatever. On there. Does that answer your question, Nate? It de depends how much money you have. <laughs> um, <laughs> me, it takes me two minutes. I don't know. <laughs> no. Um, oh, Rory, it just depends how, how, how fastidious you want to be. Um, I think if you have the structure in place at the back of your mind, you know, okay, we're going to, to pick and pay today. We're going to do the monthly shop. It's four grand. Um, that's the biggie, and our budget is five, so we've got 250 per week for bread and milk and fruit and veg and odds and ends. So you can have those sort of structures in place as well. So, so you don't necessarily have to do envelopes for all your groceries. You do a big one, boom, and then you draw the cash for the little bits throughout the week. Matt? So... You reward yourself with entertainment. You reward yourself with gifts. You've got the reward in there already. <laughs> start a holiday fund. So, so, and this is the beauty. Hey, Matt, if it works for you, go for it. But even if you, even if you could get to. Um, even if you could get to the variance and have surplus, you'll see the benefit of having surplus and you'll buy into it more. See, the reason why people don't buy into this is because they don't do it. They haven't seen the benefits of it. So, so the, and, 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 that, and that's really what I, what I wanted to say next was, was, was why should we budget? You see, budget enables you to control your finances instead of your finances controlling you. And I think too many of us are controlled by our finances. We are not necessarily controlling our finances. Our finances are controlling us. Um, and budget brings a sense of financial freedom. Sorry, did you have a question, Roger? Yeah, you could do that. Yeah. Thank you. So, so variance is the difference between what you actually budgeted for, what your actual expense was. So I budgeted 1,000 Rand for groceries. I only spent 800. My variance is 200. So I've got an extra 200. Positive or negative, yeah. Or um, Woolies had imported goat cheese that is just irresistible, and it was 300 rand more than our budget for cheese. Um, 
your variance is minus 300. Um, that's just an example. Sonia doesn't buy imported goat's cheese. Don't worry. But Blue Rock and things like that. Um, we won't go there. So, so budgeting, budgeting brings a sense of financial freedom. And you know what? Th- this is a huge thing, I think, is, is financial freedom is not having lots of money. Hey, that probably may come as a bit of a shock, eh? Sometimes we think financial freedom, oh, I've got so much money. No, because look at these stars. Look, you know how many stars have died bankrupt and their estates insolvent? There's no shortage of money there. I, I promise you there was no financial freedom there. See, financial, financial freedom is what you do with your money. And are you controlling your money? I, I have seen clients that earn probably 20, 30, 40 times less than some other of my clients that are in better financial positions. Because it's not what you earn. It's what you do with what you earn that sets you, that, that, that brings the degree um, of, of, um, of financial freedom. So no one plans to fail with their finances. We don't, we don't like, whoever sits in matric and thinks, yo, my first job, I'm going to get into so much debt that I'm going to have no money to save because I'm just going to be settling credit cards. Who thinks, yes, when I'm 30, I'm going to have this and this and this and this, well, this debt, this credit card, this store card, this, 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 and it's just going to be, no, 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 one, no one plans to fail financially, but we fail to plan. We don't plan to fail, but we fail to plan. Um, so if budgeting is so liberating, why don't most people do it? I think, I think the reason why most people don't do it is because it forces us to face reality. And I think there's something inside of us that wants this ostrich syndrome that thinks, oh, you know, if I did have to add everything up, oh, I'd, I'd, oh, I, 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 I'd, rather, I'd rather not. <laughs> I'd rather, I'd, <laughs> no, I'm not talking about you. <laughs> um, but, but you know what? That's just temporary relief because not facing reality just compounds and it gets worse and you're just kicking the can down the road and one day that thing is going to explode and it's going to be a chamos. Promise you. Get into the habit of budgeting. Um, you see, because if we know the state of our finances, um, then it forces us to do something about it. And we can't claim ignorance. I mean, ignorance is bliss to a point. <laughs> and then it catches up on you. Don't be scared of budgeting. Don't be scared of it. Don't um, get excited about seeing where your finances are going. Um, I, I, I dig this thing. Um, and uh, was, yeah, so that's, Budgeting. So once we have a budget in place, we start to take control of our finances, we find that we have surplus money. And how cool is that to have surplus money? What do you do with the surplus money? Don't go shopping. <laughs> don't, in fact, while we're on that subject, don't see your credit card limits as a target. <laughs> it's not your money. They are giving you that money. It's not your money. If your limit is ten thousand your limit is ten thousand and you owe one thousand, you don't have nine thousand Rand to spend. You're laughing because, you, yeah. <laughs> or you got to draw money and, you, and you, you've got a 10,000 rand overdraft and you draw 1,000, there's available funds, 9,000. No, available funds we're going to lend you and charge you exorbitant amounts of interest for the rest of your life, 9,000. No. <laughs> so don't see credit limits as targets. Don't, don't go down that road. Um, so what do we do if we've got surplus money? Now we start talking about saving and investing. Okay. So do you have any questions before I continue while I have a sip of water? Josh.
It is helpful. Everyone is different, though. So it, I, I, you can't have a kind of one-size-fits-all, but one, one sort of structure that I really like is 10% savings, um, 10%, um, uh, 10 tithing, 10% savings, 10% giving. Um, and then you live within that. Um, and then the 70% you, you allocate accordingly. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I've, if you can get into the habit of forcing yourself to save, actually, we'll get there, we'll get there, we'll get there. Um, so the difference between savings and investing. Now, a lot of people think that they're the same thing, but they're not. Savings is really just for emergencies. So three, ideally what we should have, a healthy financial plan has three to six months of your income saved up just sitting in an emergency fund. So if your expenses are 10,000 rand a month, we should ideally have 30 to 60,000 rand just sitting in a savings account or money market account or some interest-bearing account. And then the rest, you should be investing. Okay, so um, the difference between savings and investing, saving is really just keeping up with inflation. It's there for emergencies. Um, it's not going to create wealth for you. You need to invest to save wealth. And to create wealth, I would say you should look at at least a 10-year-plus time horizon, but it's going to be a very, very bumpy ride. Um, what I mean by that is, is investing is not a straight line. Savings is a straight line, which I'm going to show you shortly. Um, but investing is quite a bumpy road. But you get rewarded for that bumpiness. You get rewarded very well. Um, so the key to investing is you want to outperform inflation. Um, your savings just keeps up with inflation. Common, if you can put that first slide on you. So um, one of my favorite fund managers is Alan Gray. Um, this is just their equity fund. And that this year it's been 20 years. Equity fund is a share fund. So what they do is they would go buy shares um, uh, um, on, the, on the JSE. Uh, there's a little bit of offshore exposure in there through Orbis, but we won't get into that now. Um, so this is an example. If you had invested 20 years ago, if you had 1,000 Rand to invest, and you pretty much just put it in like an inflation targeting investment, say like a money market account or like an interest savings account. Your 1,000, can you see that? It kind of steals the thunder because you can see my point. Um, your 1,000 rand will be worth 2,917 rand. So you would get three times more. But um, I don't want to get into details of the benchmark, but that's Alan Gray's benchmark. That's who they want to target. That's what they measure themselves again. It's not really for the purpose of this exercise. But look at this. If you had invested in an equity fund, a share fund, over 20 years, your 1,000 will be worth 56,000. 56,572, to be exact. Crazy, yeah? But the, look, look at the bumpy ride here. You, you had the dot-com um, uh, bubble here that burst. You had September 11 round about here. You had the financial, the GFC, the global financial crisis here. And at the moment, the fund hasn't done much for the last five years. But that's the difference between savings and investing. So you can have your safe little secure. You can sleep. You can either sleep or eat. You can't have both. Because the, the equity, if you watch it every day, you're going to lose sleep. But you're going to be able to eat when you're older. The inflation one, you're going to sleep nicely, but you're not going to be able to eat. Because your money's not going to keep up with inflation. Are there any questions on that? Is that a bit complicated? Is that okay? So, so once you've got your emergency fund in place, start looking to invest now. Because the mistake that I'm seeing a lot of people have at the moment is they've got all this money sitting in cash, but it's not going to generate wealth for you. Okay, you want to be buying shares, some growth assets. So that sounds very technical and boring. Yes. Hello. 
uh, a, some sort of unit trust, um, a unit trust like a share portfolio, like a fund like this. So you'd put every month, you'd buy units within that fund and give it to a fund manager to invest. Does that answer your question? Discipline, putting away. Unless you've got big lump sums, then we can talk. <laughs> Damien. You can, but once again, it's safe. Yeah, so I mean, it's, a, it's, it's kind of in the middle. It's moderate, yeah. So it's, it's okay, but you're never gonna get returns like that. It's not gonna generate equity-based equity returns. Yeah, yeah, there's different amounts. So yeah, those retail bonds are, are fun, but they come with an element of risk, eh? I mean, if, if, um, if, the, if the political situation, you can lose money on them as well. You, you, if the, uh, yeah, but um, they're, not, they're not risk free assets. So tax-free savings only will benefit you after about 10, 15 years because of the, the, your interest exemptions and your capital gains tax exemptions, and you can only contribute 33,000 a year into that 500,000 over your lifetime. So it does take a while before you start benefiting from the tax-free um, benefit of a tax-free savings account. But, but what, what we've got to clarify, and maybe I'm probably giving a little bit too much information, is tax-free is just the legal wrapper of the investment Within a tax-free savings, you would get cash tax-free savings. So you would get interest-bearing tax-free savings, or you could get equity tax-free savings. So the portfolio within the legal wrapper of the product is key. Does that make sense, Daryl? Does that answer your question? So, so you get a car, which is, let's call it the tax-free, then you get a Ferrari, and then you get a, a Uno. Not that I have anything against Uno. Um, yeah, so it's a great, yeah, it's a great way to start, yeah. But with the tax-free thing, you're really only going to benefit after about 10, 15 years. If you want immediate tax relief, a retirement annuity is a great way to do that because then you get money back straight away from tax. Yeah. I don't know if that answers your question. Uh, that, that, can we leave that for another time, please? Yeah, because that's, that's, there's pros and cons to both. Yeah. Ideally, you want a hybrid structure. So you want a hybrid kind of index to save on the fees, but study after study, I mean, I'm an active management, so naturally I'm gonna be more biased towards that. <laughs> but yeah, we can chat about that later, yeah. Um, so so let's, let's use a practical example. All this wada, 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 sometimes can smoke with your brain a little bit. Let's make it simple. Can you put a wimpy cheeseburger, please? So how good is that? If you guys are hungry, yeah, baby. Um, I'm trying to be healthy, so I'm trying to stay away from that because this is getting out of hand. Um, so, that was, that is so cool how you edited that. That was a screenshot that I took, but you can't see my MTN or anything there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> thank you, thank you. This is a partnership, eh? So, that is the current price of a Wimpy Cheeseburger. 58 rand 90. Who wants to have a guess? In 1983, what that cheeseburger would have cost you. 20 cents. Yes, you guys are optimistic. <laughs> Inflation's not that hectic in this country. Four and fifty. Okay, you guys are shop. I'm loving the interaction. Please keep it coming. 
1983, thanks Carmen, that wimpy cheeseburger was 2 Rand 55. How's that, eh? Two, I think so. What's, what's that? With the Coke. What is it? Now, I don't know if it came with a Coke, but uh, change the slide quickly in case I'm wrong. <laughs> no. Now you can put it up. I'm almost sure it was 2 Rand 55, but now you guys are making me doubt myself. But so, so what does that translate into percentage per annum? What was the inflation rate? If there was 2 Rand 55 in 1983, and it's 58 Rand 90 now, what, what do you think they would have averaged per annum? The, 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 the inflation, the percentage increase every year. Let me save you the hassle. It was 9.39%. So in order for you to buy that same cheeseburger 35 years later, your investment had to do at least 9% just so that you can buy that same cheeseburger 35 years later. Can you see the danger of investing in a savings account where you're only getting like 5%? So as an example, I thought, what would have happened if I put that five, that 2 Rand 55 in a savings account, okay, and got 5% interest? Who wants to hazard a guess what your 2 Rand 55 would be worth now at 5% over 35 years? Sorry? Close, Yeah. 14 rand and 7 cents. I don't think, and remember, so now let's see that in, in comparison to the 58 rand 90 for the cheeseburger. But now th that same cheeseburger, you've only got 14 rand. I don't even think you can buy the bun for 14 rand now, it won't be. So can you see why we, we can't put all our money in the bank and think it's going to create wealth for us? We have to be looking at other assets, not just interest-bearing assets. Now, this is interesting. So I thought, okay, let's say I put in a share portfolio that did 15% every year, which is a little bit optimistic. But who can tell me what your 2 Rand 55 would be worth now if you got a 15% return for the last 35 years? No, man. <laughs> Zim dollars. So you invested 255, okay? And, and, and see this in the context of a cheeseburger costing you 58 Rand now. Okay, close. 339.60, so 340 rand. So can you see how you want your money to outperform inflation? Because you don't want to just be able, to, if you can buy bread today, you want to buy bread and ham and cheese and tomato in your retirement or when you're old. So you want your money to be outperforming inflation. So while we're on investing principles, before you guys ask all your millions of questions that you want to ask, okay, stay away from get-rich-quick schemes. There's no such thing as instant, quick money. I mean, uh, hey, hey, for, yeah, those sort of things. Anything that sounds too good to be true is. It is. Don't chase after that. Don't chase after these, these, high, these high returns because I promise you, high risk, high return. We, we've got to, we, you don't want to avoid risk, but you want to manage risk. But you also want to go after stupid risk. If, if an interest-bearing account is giving you, sheesh, let's be generous, say 9% a year, and someone comes and says, I've got this investment. It's going to give you 10% a month. Whoa, yeah, I'm waiting a year to get 9%. Not, I'll give you my money. Hmm. I took a bet with a client once on oh, one pyramid scheme. I've heard, heard of so many. I said, 
three months, this thing will crash. Let's shake. And I think it was, I don't know, it was a decent amount. It was a couple thousand rand a bit. That's how confident I was that this was a pyramid scheme. And yeah, six weeks later, <laughs> and I'm making light of it, but it was serious. Lost all the money. And so I felt bad. I said, no, don't worry. You can keep the, <laughs> I won't make you pay because you've just lost all that money. But guys, don't chase after these get rich quick things. You know how you create wealth? What does the Bible say? Little by little. That's how we create wealth. It's not going to boom overnight. Nah, nah, Milani. I think, I think with um, perhaps maybe social media or, or the, the, all these IT things that have just shot up and boomed and people have overnight success. Um, I hate to break it to you, but the odds are against you. <laughs> That's not going to happen to you. <laughs> Highly unlikely. Highly unlikely. I know, Wandili, you give me as though, how dare you say that? But <laughs> I'm not saying don't start businesses. Don't dream. Go out. Start businesses. Build it. Go after opportunities. Be creative. Start businesses. Go on ventures. Think of out-the-box ways of making money, but never at the expense of just the slow and steady. The slow and steady. The faithfulness. The long obedience. The long obedience in the same direction um so so don't despise small beginnings don't think oh no i don't have lots of money to invest so i'm not going to start with a hundred rand a month start with start with yeah we go to retirement now so start small and you'll see how small amounts compound big time especially you younger guys that are just starting working now can you put up the next slide please after the wimpy one so i'm going to show you an example of two people here <laughs> Sorry, I just used Liberty's marketing material. Um, so this is two people here. The person on the left is very sharp. Let's call him Grant Clark. And uh, the person on the left is a little bit um, doff, me. So let's say Grant, we both started working at the same time when we were 20, okay? And Grant thought, I'm going to put a 1,000 rand away a year. Okay, let's just say a year, just for the purpose of this exercise. Puts away a 1,000 rand a year. Boom, 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 boom. He puts in. 10,000 rand. So that's what he puts in. Me, I think not. I'm going to enjoy my money now. I'll start saving for retirement when I'm 30. Hey, I'm going to enjoy my money now. I'm going to do whatever I want to do with it. And I start saving when I'm 30. But me, wait, when I put my mind to something, I stick to it. And I go all the way until I'm 60. Okay? So I put in 30,000. Grant puts in 10,000. But look at the difference. The compounding effect of Grant's money is 305,000 and mine is 180,000. But I've put in three times less. Eh? The math's just like smokles with your brain a little bit, doesn't it? Does that make sense? So if you start now, if you start when you're 20 and you stop when you're 30, you'll be, and you leave that money there to grow and compound, you'll be better off than your mate that starts when you stop and he carries on all the way till 60. Now, can you imagine what that amount would be if Grant carried on saving? <laughs> it would be whoosh, through the roof. Can you put the next one on, please? So this is just in terms of retirement savings and, and the cost of delaying your retirement. So can you put the next the, the thingies up? So Josh asked a great question. How much should we be saving? What is a great percentage? So if you want to get to your retirement goal, of let's just for the purpose of this exercise say 10,000 rand a month, okay? And you want that when you're 25. All you have to do is just save a little bit over 10% of your income. So you say 
thousand rand a month, okay? When you're 25, 10%, and you keep going with that, okay? But let's say uh, you're going to put it off for five years, okay? And you're only going to start when you're 30. You need to save just under uh, 20%, so say 18%. So let's say with the same example of 10,000 a month, you now don't need to save 1,000. You need to save 1,800 rand every month. Can you see how these bars just increase more and more. And eventually, if you start when you're 50 and you want 10,000 rand a month, you've got to be saving more than 50% of your income. 55, 10 years to go, you almost got to save 90% of your income to achieve your retirement goal. So can you see, the sooner that you start saving as a percentage of your income, the less and less you have to put away later. The compounding effect is huge. Can you put that last slide on, please? This is an example of someone who puts away 100 rand a month uh, 12% at age 65. So he puts away 100 rand a month, but he starts when he's 20. His 100 rand is just under 1.8 million. Okay? But say he delays it by 10 years. Starts when he's 30. Now you do the maths. 100 times 12 is 1, 2. So he's only paying 12,000 rand less. Okay, you with me? So he's going to start saving when he's 30 now. Look how that jumps down. He's just under 600,000. And you see that the longer, the longer you start saving for, the less and less you're going to get. Any questions on that? Is it a boring maths lesson? Scary, eh? Scary stuff. Damien. No, I'm, I'm saving. I'm not product specific at all. Well, they don't have to. I'm not talking product. I'm talking principles. So, so the principle, um, the principle is the same. Whether it's an R, in fact, an RA will be more because you're getting tax back. Um, so, so I'm, I'm not. This can apply to unit trusts. Uh, yeah. Plus. I can see where this is going. Yeah, you've got a friend. Yeah, you, you know someone. <laughs> yeah, big time. It can. Yeah. You know, we need a financial calculator. Yeah. But 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 absolutely. Yeah, so what you'd do is you'd take the future value, okay, see what the impact, what the difference is versus if you had started 10 years ago, and then you, you calculate that difference, and then you bring that back to a present value, and then you calculate what monthly amount do I need to do in order to make up that difference, or what lump sum do I need to put in to plug that gap. So when I do retirement planning for clients, I say, you need to save whatever, 5,000 rand a month. Well, alternatively, you could plug in 750,000 now, and we invest it for you, and that will achieve your retirement goal. So, so, so the, the ideally, lump sums will get you there quicker because you're getting interest on interest. If you're starting on zero, and even if your investment does 10,000%, it's still going to be zero. <laughs> the key is to get a lump sum. And you know when most people give up? It's just when their money's starting to compound. So oh, I've been saving for 10 years and nothing's there. I'm whatever, going to go buy something. At that point, it starts to take off. Yeah. 
by boats, yeah. Any other questions? Yes. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Because you've chosen to enjoy your money now. Yeah. So, Albert Einstein said, um, uh, compound interest is the seventh wonder of the world or something. Something like that. Eighth, ninth, whatever. It's a wonder of the world. Compound interest. Now, compound interest can work for you, which are all the examples that I've gone through here, or it can work against you with debt. So I was just late last night Googling loans, and I wanted to see what kind of came up. And there's this really cool company. No, they are from the pit of... Um, so, so I went to the first ad that popped up, and if I took a 50,000 rand loan at 27% interest over... <laughs> excluding, uh, what do they call those things? Admin charges and credit life... Um, has it a guess how much you would have paid after five years? It took 50000 now, eh? How much do you think you would have paid five years later? 198000 190000 and, and, and trust me, when you add all their credit life and all their things, because that's how these guys make money, they make it on both sides, I, I reckon 230000 You borrowed fifty. dollars to pay back. Two hundred and thirty thousand compound interest. You can get it working for you or against you. Trust me, you want it for you, <laughs> not against you. Um, any questions on that? So, okay, great question. It was actually one of the questions I was going to cover. So, um, everyone, hear the question. Do you want me to repeat it? So, do you own or rent? It really depends on the situation, but what I've, sorry, stay at home as long as you can. <laughs> I did that. I stayed there so long, I eventually bought the house with my mother. She moved out. Um, <laughs> um, so, so this is key now. So say, say you want to buy a place and it's going to cost you a million rand. Okay. Say bond of 10, levies 2, rates, say another 2. So you're in for, say, with maintenance, say, 15 grand a month, okay? But you can go rent that place for, say, 6 grand a month, okay? So is it better to pay 15, everything all in, because remember, it's all those hidden expenses and then transfer duty and all the other things that you've got to factor in as well, or do you just go rent it for 6, just as an example? So what I advise my clients in that situation, um, I'll, I'll get... There's no yes or no answer to your question, but I'm just building, building a case. So what is the difference between paying 15 and renting 6? The difference is 9, okay? What I say to clients, save that 9,000 rand. Let's buy it, but don't buy it, if that makes sense. Let's see cash flow-wise, can you do it? So what you do is you save that 9,000. So at the end of the year, you've now got 108,000 rand saved up of a place that you would have bought, Okay. And then you do that again for the next year, and the next year, and the next year. The key is to save the difference between what the rent was and what the bond would be, so that eventually you'll have enough of a deposit to put down on the place, buy it, but pay the same as what you were renting. Does that make sense? Let's say that again. Does that answer your question? So there's no right or wrong answer. Sometimes you can buy a place for the same as it would be to rent, then it's wiser to, to buy it. 
naturally. But when there's such a discrepancy between owning it and renting it, sometimes actually it's better to rent. And you don't have the headache of a depressed market and rising interest rates because if interest rates go up, your rent generally stays the same, depending on your lease if that's in there. But um, there's far less risk renting than what there is than what there's buying. Yeah, question, Rory? Mm. So, so it depends on your time horizon. So if you've got time on your side, I would go into a balanced fund. Maybe an equity fund might be a little bit too risky for a five-year period. So I would go into like a balanced fund, which is a multi-asset class fund. So you've got equities, property, bonds, like Damien was saying, some cash in there as well. So, so what, what a balanced fund does is an equity fund does this. If you have to draw a graph, a balanced fund would kind of, kind of do that, generate similar returns, but at a lower volatility or at a lower risk. So, so, or if you really want to take zero risk in a money market fund. But the principle is key. And that's why some people rent for the rest of their lives and never buy because they never save that difference. They never save the difference between what it would cost to buy and what it costs to rent. Anyone else? Keep going, keep going. So, some common pitfalls. Don't buy things on credit. If you cannot afford it, don't Buy it. Rather save and reward yourself. So if you want, uh, how much are flat screen TVs? I don't know. Have you been shopping for them? So we, yeah, we've got to make a purchase soon with one of those things. So, so let's say the 8,000 Rand, which is what I kind of had a small, no, not 8,000, more. But, uh, five to 40. Okay. Let's say they're 10,000. Goodness gracious, you, I will be turning in my grave. How much? Eight. Okay. Let's go for ten. Okay. So that we can move on. So if, so ten grand, let's settle on ten. Sold? Ten. Boom. Done. Okay. So you can now go buy that ten grand TV and pay 800 rand a month for three years. And that thing will end up costing you close on 30, close to 30,000 rand, 8,000 TV costing you 30,000. Or you can reward yourself and you can say, you know what? I'm going to put 1,000 rand away for the next eight months and I'm going to buy this TV cash. So instead of buying something, you have a question there, I under. <laughs> instead of uh, buying something on credit, reward yourself and save the money Put it away and then buy it so you don't have to feel guilty. And then you can reward, Matt, you can reward yourself. <laughs> because you've now done the hard yards. It's, it's like such an old granny saying, if you can't afford it, don't buy it on credit. Don't, don't, don't fall in. And you know what? Actually, don't compare yourself to others. I'm telling you, comparison is a thief of joy. Don't think, I've got to have these shoes, or I've got to have this phone, or I've got to have this car. Who's, what? Who says so? Who says so? Settle this now. There's always somebody who's going to have a better car than you. There's always somebody who's going to have a better house than you. There's never anyone who's going to have a better wife than me, but, <laughs> but there's always going to be somebody with something better than you. Run your race. Run the race that God has for you. And would learn to, what did they say? Cut your cloth to your size or something like that. Cut your size to your cloth or something like that. 
don't, don't compare. Who cares if somebody's got a better car than you? Really, that thing will destroy you. And 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 I think credit fuels that. Trying to trying to get that thing. So some pitfalls is when people have paid off their car, so they've got like they they've had it for five years, and say they were paying five thousand rand a month, just as an example. Um, and then the car now nah, nah, hey, nah, yes, I can get the new car for like seven thousand. Yeah, it's only two thousand rand more. And I can get a brand new car. But you know what? It's not two thousand rand more. It's seven thousand rand more. Because your car is just about to be paid off. So if your car is paid off, who says you need a new one? Keep it. <coughs> yeah, sell it to Keegan. But and, and you know what? We 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 um I, it just, it's just a goal of mine. It's, please, I don't put a heavy on you. If you, but I don't want to. So, so this is what I did with my car. We, as long as we possible, will only try be financing one car. Um, but this is what I did five, six years ago now. My car was paid for, and I thought, oh, I can get the new one, and it's only going to be let's just say a thousand rand a month. So, say I was paying eight hundred rand a month, and this is going to be thousand rand a month, and it's only two hundred rand more. Oh, I can get the new one. For 200 rand more. Just add an extra zero or times it by whatever to make it applicable for you. So I thought, you know what? That's a lot of money. I'm going to buy the car but not buy the car. So what I did was I started a savings of 1,000 rand a month. Okay? It wasn't 1,000 rand a month. It was a little bit more than that, but just for the purpose of this exercise. So what I did was I put that away every month. And then six months later, I had 6,000 rand saved up. Hey, but my car's still going. Gee, this is cool, man. What happens I can do it for? Another six months. Ooh, did it for another six months, and now I had 12,000 rand saved up. And you know what? My car was still going. I thought, yeah, should I get that new car now? I kind of like having this, this little savings here. And then I did it again for another six months, and another six months. I did that for five years. And what I was able to do was able to buy a car cash if I wanted to five years later because I kept my car literally for 210,000 kilometers. Yeah, baby. And I wanted to get rid of it because 100,000, oh, it's going to hit 100,000. Everything's going to go wrong. And oh, my word, I've got to get rid of this car. We say that because we just want a new car. If we're really honest with ourselves. Um, and, and you know what that did? That has almost set us up now for like, like that decision really put us in such a good space in terms of financing cars down the line. Because we, I, I bait fuss. I put my pride in my pocket and I drove my, I drove that car for an extra, for longer than what I wanted to. Does that make sense? So if ever you get to a point where your car is about to be paid for, don't go buy a new one. Save the money that you were paying on the car, and I promise you it will set you up for years to come just from a healthy car budgeting planning point of view. Question. And don't buy new. Yeah, yeah, good point, Roger. Thank you. I, I'm not a fan of new cars. I think a depreciation of cars, if you had to draw a graph, does that and then that. You can buy a, a car at, at, at a radically reduced price versus the new one. You drive off the showroom floor, you lost your VAT for, for 15% now, and your depreciation 20%. You have 35% of the car, boom, gone as you drive off the showroom floor. 
I've got, a, you know, there's quite a bit more that I can say, but any questions at this stage? Grant, what, what, do you want me to keep going? Do you want questions? Couples questions. Couple questions. The couples. Do you want to ask it? Um, I think one of the So did anyone hear, everyone hear the question? So, so if you're married, what, what, what is the best way to manage your finances um, as a married couple? Okay. I think the starting point is when you get married, it's no longer me, it's now us. So any decisions that you make, it's not for the benefit of you anymore, like this is mine and that's yours. No, no, no. This is ours. So what I think is really helpful is to have um, is to have a, a joint bank account where you run you run the household expenses through that. Um, I, I think it is healthy to to have some of uh, um, sort of money management for each sort of spouse per se, so that um, and also there's no there's no there's no Perfect answer for this. But whichever spouse is stronger, that spouse should be managing the finances. I mean, if I'm, I'm a surfer and I'm, and I'm very chilled, not, not that surfers are all chilled. I don't want to discriminate against surfers. Um, and Sonia is this high-flying accountant, bean counter machine with money. Then I, we've got to somehow make our, come to some sort of a thing that works between the two of us. I don't want to be this, I control the money. And meanwhile, I'm not strong in that point. Find out what works for both of you. But, but, but what I absolutely detest is when, like, that is your money and this is my money. Don't you tell me what to do. Oh, God, you're asking for trouble with that. Um, do you want to add anything, love? Anything that? I think, I think the key is to see it as a team. It's not, and one of my favorite lines is, I choose us um, for our marriage. And yeah, I mess up and I make mistakes all the time. But, but that thing of I choosing us, what is the benefit for the institution, for the both of us? How can we make this? Do you want to add anything, Ron? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so you won. You won. It's not you there, I'm here. Um, one, and so... Um, we, we have a joint account. Sonia has her own account. Um, uh, and, and we discuss and we dialogue. And, um, and yeah, there's a, there's a jointness. There's a oneness. There's a, there's a unity in terms of we don't hard things from each other. Uh, yeah. Question? Sorry, Noxie? <laughs> Is it nice? Do you like that, Noxie? What's mine is Sonia's, and what Sonia's is also Sonia's. <laughs> no, just general. Any questions? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, great question. Yeah. Yeah. So I heard oh, such a good line the other day. If you want to test someone, give them success. 
if you want to test someone, kind of give them a lot of money. See, money is neutral. Money, money is not evil. And money is not the savior either. Money takes on the character of the person who owns it at the time. Um, so, but to answer your question, I think I'll get to your question, but I think what's important is for us to peg our standard of living at a certain point. To say, this is the house I'm going to live in. This is the car I'm going to drive. Anything extra, I'm going to give. I'm going to save. I'm going to be generous with. I'm going to look after people. But if you did have to come into a lot of money, I, I would seriously look for counsel. And I wouldn't be a lone ranger and think, I've got this thing covered. I'm going to go to Isle of Man. I'm going to stash it there. I'm going to go to Barbados or wherever, Bermuda. Um, so if, if that was the case, if you did have to come into lots of money, I would say the more counsel you can get, the, the, the better. In fact, what if I've often thought of, not that I play the lotto, because I know the odds, um, I'd rather save the money. Um, if I did have to win a massive fortune, I would actually lock it away for a year and continue with my life as normal. Because um, many an emotional decision is generally regretted later. And I think there's a thing of, oh. uh, is there something you want to tell me, Matt? Is the inheritance coming away? I mean, we can talk then. <laughs> Anyone else? I saw like a half a hand go up. Um. You see, there's so many hidden expenses with properties. There's your estate agent's fees, your transfer duty, your levies, your rates, your maintenance from a risk. Sorry, to live in or to rent out? Maybe I should clarify. So, so your tenants, you're liable for your tenants' utilities. I mean, I've got a tenant now that's rung up almost a 20,000 rand water bill and electricity bill I've got to pay for. They, they haven't paid, they, they, they haven't increased their rent in four years and they squat, they, they are, anyway, long story. But there's risks involved in that. So it depends how, and also there's no, it would be unfair of me to say, yeah, don't invest in property, only invest in Alan Gray, but there are some really good property deals. You want to look for them, but there are some, there are some really good deals, but it depends how much effort you want to put into that investment. If you want to just give it to a fund manager and let them invest it, let the analysts and the CAs and the CFAs and all those guys do their thing, and you just want to carry on with what you just do laugh and give it to them. Um, I, I wouldn't have everything all in one basket, though. I would have a diversified portfolio. Yeah, you've got to do the numbers. Yeah. So, so Lucy, I'd sit down with you and I'd say, okay, this property is going to cost you a million rand. Your net, so say you're going to rent it out for eight grand a month. Your levies, your rates, your this, your that, your this, your that. Your expenses on there is maybe three and a half grand, so your net is five and a half, four and a half, okay? Four and a half times 12 is 54,000. So your yield on your one million is 5.4%. Can we get more than 5.4% somewhere else? Is there a share that's yielding a dividend yield of 5.4%? So, but have some property, yes, but yeah, I'm not a fan. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I've been burnt. I'm, I'm limping a little bit. <laughs> oh, maybe I just bought in the wrong area. Anything else? Okay. Okay, great question. If I'm in debt, how do I get out of it? Okay. I think debt is so easily. I was online, um, 
I needed some credit card for some whatever, 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 and I filled in everything, and I was mortified at the credit card that would come overnight and the limit that they were prepared to give me. No bank statements, no proof of whatever, whatever. So debt, it's so easy to get into. So a great question, if I'm in debt, how do I get out of it? Well, the starting point is you didn't get into it overnight. You're not going to get out of it overnight. It's going to be a long, hard slog to get out of it. But how you get out of it is by listing all the debt that you have. So you list everything, credit card, overdraft, loan, mashonisa, whatever you got there, you list. And then the next column is the highest interest. So what is the highest cost of debt? So, and then you, you list that and you go after that one first. And then you smack that one. So say you've got five, five items of debt that you have and you're paying a thousand rand for each one, different interest rates, and you start with the top one or the online loan of 27%. Um, and then you, any extra money, you smack into that. And then eventually that one goes down. And now, now you've got 4,000 rand, okay? But don't only pay for that 1,000 rand that you were paying towards that extra loan. Pay it into the other debt as well. So then you start smashing that. And now you're not paying um, 4,000 rand into debt. You're paying 5,000, but you're settling the debt quicker. And then eventually when the... When that one's down, now you should only be paying three towards your debt, but you, you're still paying the extra two, okay? And then if you stick to that plan, buy it, that can take five years. <laughs> um, what will happen then is after five years, once you've settled your debt, boom, you've freed up 5,000 rand a month for you, as an example. Imagine if you didn't have any debt. So think of your finances now. Think of, let's just take bond, car, credit card. Imagine if you didn't have that. How much would that free up of cash flow every month? Um, try settle debt as quick as you can. Yes. Oh, it's so tricky. Um, yeah. You see, you could, so, so say you don't do any investing and you just settle your debt. The danger is you'll have a, a bond-free home but no cash. You can't peel the paint off the wall and eat the paint. You, you need food. So what ends up happening is then is you have to sell that property, and then you <laughs> you have to sell that property to realize the cash to eat. So I, I like a bit of half of, but it depends on the type of debt. So you get good debt and bad debt. If you've got credit card debt and overdraft and all of that, your investment return will never be that and beat that interest that you're being charged. So I would say even if you set aside two years just to smash that debt, that high interest debt, and then start saving. It just depends on the type of debt. Well, Roger, question. No, I disagree. Oh, sorry. Okay, I thought you meant try settle the, the lower interest rate first. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you could, yeah. That is a strategy. But you're just prolonging more debt. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yes and no. Yeah. 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 Unfortunately, get out of debt will save you. It comes with a lot of hooks. Um, yeah, but a hard hook. Yeah. Cool. Are you happy, Grant? Keep going. Stop. Stop. 
So personal finance is great. Um, there's so many online tools that are available. Anything in particular, and maybe I can narrow some down for you. Hmm. Yeah. 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 So, so I think it's a great question, and I think it goes back to what I was saying initially, that it just seems so overwhelming, uh, not just for you, I think for, for most people. Um, don't you feel that I'm, I'm picking on you? Um, that that we, like, we don't know where to start, so we just don't do anything. I would say we're never going to master it completely. We're never going to feel, oh, I'm the financial guru. Uh, I, don't, I don't even feel like that. I can have all these whatever fancy qualifications. I still need debit orders. I still need discipline. I still need all that stuff. But for yourself, I would say the first step is just start with a budget. And that, that, that's, like, that's like, you know what that's like? It's like going for a medical checkup. And then they check your blood pressure and they check your whatever, whatever, they, whatever else they check. Um, <laughs> Nate, Nate and Cans can uh, elaborate a bit there. Um, <laughs> make, you, make you cough. <laughs> um, and, uh, um, and you know what starts to happen? Is that is that health begins to come and you begin to be more confident with your finances because now you, you, you feel like you are on top of it because you've listed it now. You know where it's going. You know what to do with it. And, and then what will start to happen is then you'll start to think, okay, cool, I've got some surplus now. What do I do with surplus? And now you start going, do I buy property? Because Lucy's got lots of surplus, so she asks like great questions. So, <laughs> so, so, so what starts to happen is, is it's almost like as you become more empowered, you, you kind of grow in your sort of financial knowledge, so to speak. But the starting point is a budget. The starting point is a budget. And then once you've got that free money, okay, now what do I do with this? Okay, cool, I've got that done now. Okay, cool, now I've got this done. Okay, now I've got this done. It's almost like, like you're building a house, brick by brick by brick, and then you grow. Great point. Yeah, it's good. Jin. And and you felt liberated. Yeah. Yeah. A meeting. No, great point, Matt. Great point. You know what I do now is um, I times everything by 12. So DSTV, 12,000 uh, rand a month, 12,000 rand a year, 60,000 over five years. That's, with, that's if they don't increase it, which they naturally will. Times everything by, so I have a cappuccino every morning, so that's 50 rand. Um, to, yeah, I've, I've got a, generally got a hot date, my wife. Um, but if you want to be generous and give a tip, so say 50. So that's 250 a week. That's 1,000 rand a month. 1,000 rand a month and cappuccinos every morning. Thousand, what? 12,000 rand a year and cappuccinos. Yo. Times everything. Times everything by five. Times, well, five working days. And do that. And what Matt's saying is true. And then you see where everything goes and it's like, Ugh.
Yeah, but you're still paying 11,000 a year. So, yeah. Thanks, Roger. Yeah, nice tip. So, great question. So, if, if like now you've seen these graphs and you think, yo, I want to start saving, there's some, there's some really cool online platforms. Signia is one of them. Signia is really cool, a low cost investment platform. Signia, there's Sastrix, there's Stanlib, there's um, Alan Gray's minimum is a thousand rand a month. Um, you can phone them, you can deal directly with them. Try stick to balanced funds. So, kind of middle of the range, not too conservative, not too aggressive. Um, there's some great online tools, great online companies that you can phone, yeah. Yeah, but start small, even if it's 100 rand a month, even if it's, yeah, 500 rand a month. The main thing is a start. Don't, don't leave here and do nothing. <laughs> Hopefully. I've said something that Hopefully helps. Well, you're choosing your own shares. So if you're a share portfolio manager and you understand um, the, the whatever, return on equity, dividend yields, um, upside potential of the share, you've met the management, you've gone to the site, you know the company, you understand their financials, yeah, buy their share. <laughs> you know what? I'm in the business and I have a terrible track record of choosing shares. <laughs> All I do now is I give my money, Alan Gray, Coronation, PSG. I give it to them every month because, boy, have I lost a lot of money trying to speculate here and speculate there. And it's just my, it's just my opinion. I, I, don't I, I don't have a good track record choosing shares. Um, so I give it to the fund managers now, and I let them do it. They sit in front of that jolly computer every day. They go to the management. They go to the factory. They go to the site. They grill them properly. Um, you pay for it, but hey, they'll do a better job than me. No, if that answers your question. No. If you're going to stick to your big top 40s, no, fine, your BATs, MTN is really cheap at the moment. Um, if you're going to stick to those, but if you're going to go like, oh, speculate on like venture capitalist shares or, or some stellar capital or something like that, no. it's dangerous. Roy. Diversify. So don't go into one asset class because if, if, one, if, if, if there's a financial crisis, bonds, interest rates could potentially go up. So your, your bonds would do well. So if shares are going down, your bonds would carry your, your shares. So, so you're not going into just one asset class. You're in a multi-asset fund that, that, that when the one does bad, the other one kind of carries the other one and, and, and so on. But actually, financial crises bring great investment opportunities. Um, I mean, if you if you invested at the global financial crisis at the nobody knows where the bottom is. It's trying to catch a falling now. But if you were if you were investing monthly, you could have made some serious money on the down because it will pick up. Book. Yeah. 
So, so I think even though your, your salary would variance, it would be within a certain range. So if your range is 10,000 rand a month, one month you have a 30,000 rand month, you need to put 20 away for the lean times. One month you have a 5,000 month, then you pull from those, those reserves. So I think it's a great question, yeah, how, how do you deal with? But I think there will be a range, even with the variance, there will be a certain range. You will need to eat. You will need rent to pay. You will, you will need to budget for, for certain things that are going to stay constant, even with your varying income. The challenge is, is not to have a feast or famine mentality, where your business is great. We lots of Musgrave gin, or <laughs> business is tight, and now you're onto Gordon's or something. Um, so, so the the key with varying income is to try as much as possible to create some consistency. So I'm on commission only. I'm either feast or famine. So what, what I've done is, is if I have a crack of a month, I don't take everything I earn. Leave it there. And then there's lean months that I need to pull from the reserves. I don't know if that answers your question. Um, but then in that example, in that savings, if you had to plug in savings that you want flexible savings. That if it is a tight month, you don't have to feel contractually obliged to pay into that. Last chance. Question, Roger? Is it a question? <laughs> Happy? Paul? So... To be honest, I'm not too experienced in stock bills. My understanding of it is you get 12, pe 12 people. Everyone puts in 1,000 rand, okay? And each month, you each have a turn to get 1,000 rand, okay? Problem with that, though, is that there's no real growth because each person is getting paid out. So where's the money growing? Unless I misunderstand it, I'm happy to be corrected. But, but those, those stockfall kind of things, there's no, what is the money growing on if everyone is getting paid out every month? Your bank account is technically zero because as the money comes in, it goes to one specific person. But then it does come with its risks. What happens if, if month May and month June, those guys get retrenched and don't have a job, but they've already got their money in January? <laughs> I, I, I would say if you can go for one year paying a 1,000 rand a month, you can create your own stockfall. You like that? Awesome. No. It's dangerous. It's always dangerous going to partnership with other people with investing. I, I don't market it. <laughs> I, I very, very seldom see it. See it work. Yeah. Unless you're all the same and all the rest of it. Yeah. Last chance. Free question. Do you want to close, Grant? Happy. Shane, thank you. I think that was so. Helpful. So obviously the, the obvious thing after tonight is to leave here and do something with some of what Shane has said. Or to take some kind of next step to go forward. Because uh, otherwise it's just information that we're doing nothing with. Um, but let's pray before we leave here tonight. And Lord, I just, I really pray that the practical advice and wisdom and ideas and thoughts and tools and budgeting things and saving and all of that we've talked about tonight, Lord, um, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to apply this. 
to not forget this or ignore this. Um, and I pray, Lord, that you would make us wise. Help us to grow in wisdom this year and next year and every year for the rest of our lives. I pray, Lord, you would give us your hearts when it comes to money, your thoughts when it comes to money, that we would be a generous people. And Lord, that like as your word speaks about us being blessed to be a blessing, I pray you would bless us, Lord. Would you bless us? And as we do invest and save and budget and all of these things, I pray you'd help us to get better and better with our money and actually really to develop and skill in this area. So please help us. Please take us by the hand and take us forward, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again, Shaney. Guys, thanks so much for coming. Um, have a really good night. We'll see you Sunday.